1: Little time to chat, so let's get right to it. Tonight's first show features the beautiful Irish tenor voice of Dennis Day.
2: Gentlemen, the new Dennis Day program with Sharon Douglas, Verna Felton, Dink Trout, John Brown, Joe Kearns, Pete Benadare, Jerry Hausner, Charles Statt and the orchestra, and starring the popular young singer of The Jack Benny Show in A Day in the Life of Dennis Day. And now here's Dennis singing Take Care. Take care
3: when you say, Take care. Your lips may impart sweeter things than your heart means to say. Take care when you say, take care, of. Don't whisper tonight night words that fade in the light of the
4: day.
3: Oh, no. The moon is no longer there, for the half has waited a moment such as this, may be betrayed by the madness of a kiss, when you say, take care. home. Oh!
2: Yes, that was the beautiful voice of Dennis Day. But exactly what sort of person is our hero? Well, suppose we ask some of the folks of Weaverville where Dennis lives and works. They know him best. For example, there's his boss, Mr. Willoughby, who owns the drugstore where Dennis jerks sodas. Uh, Mr. Willoughby, how do you feel about Dennis?
5: Dennis Day? Well, when I first met Dennis and hired him to work behind my fountain, I wasn't sure whether he was a soda jerk or not.
2: But I knew he was some kind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now, how about a few words from Mildred, Dennis's girlfriend?
6: I think Dennis is a perfect love. It's just that no one understands him. People in this town judge other people by how much money they have or how many brains. Either way, it's very unfair to Dennis.
7: <laughs>
2: All right, suppose we hear from Mildred's mother now, Mrs. Anderson, who runs the boarding house in which Dennis lives.
8: Dennis Day will never amount to anything. He has no ambition, no gumption, and very little sense. My daughter thinks she's in love with him but it's only because he
9: reminds her of her father.
2: Well, uh, uh, Mr. Anderson, what do you say
9: to that? Any opinions expressed by me on any subject whatsoever are necessarily those of my wife.
4: <laughs>
2: well, how about a fellow boarder at the Anderson menage? Uh, Mr. Snedeker, how do you feel about Dennis Day?
5: Don't mention Dennis Day's name to me. I ought to tear him limb from limb. Wants to borrow my car, he says, so he can drive his girlfriend Mildred over to pick up her costume for the masquerade party tonight. Why did I give it to him? Because I'm a big, fat, good-natured slob, that's why. And what happened? What happens to my car? I'll tell you what happened.
10: Oh, Dennis! Did you see that? That parked car ran right into me. <laughs> it's going to cost me $25 for Mr. Snedeker's fender, Mildred. Where am I going to get $25?
6: Well, haven't you saved any money out of your salary at the drugstore?
10: I've only had the job two days. Anyhow, with taxes, what, what they are, I couldn't possibly save more than $6 a week.
6: Well, how much is your salary?
10: $6 a week.
4: <laughs>
6: well, we've just got to think of something. If Mr. Snedeker tells Mama she's liable to throw you out of her boarding house, and I don't know where you'd get another room with this housing shortage.
10: Gee, I'd hate to lose that comfortable room I share with Mr. Appling, Mr. Moore, Mr. Ryan, Mr. Taylor, Mr. Greenberg, Mr. Erickson, Mr. Kerrigan, Mr. Kalfleisch, and the Cooper Brothers. Especially this week when it's my turn to sleep in the bed.
4: Well,
6: we've just got to raise the money somehow. Mr. Stettiker said if he didn't get his $25,
10: he'd murder you. Oh, yeah? I'd just like to see him try it, that's all. What would you do? What could I do? I'd be dead. (laughs) But the police would do plenty.
6: Dennis, if you don't mind, I'd rather he got his money. Oh, if I could only win the prize at the masquerade tonight. Huh? You know, the silver cup for the most outstanding costume. Oh, we could get $25 for it easily.
10: Oh, gosh, maybe you will win, Mildred.
6: Oh, I haven't a chance. Mama picked out a perfect stinker of a costume for me. Betsy Ross. Now I ask you, Betsy Ross.
10: That does stink a little. (laughs) Gee, I just finished a book about a girl who'd make a wonderful character at a masquerade. Somewhat different type from Betsy Ross, of course.
6: Oh, what book was that?
10: It was called Forever Amber.
6: (laughs) Forever Amber?
10: Yes, it's a very absorbing book. It took me months and months to get through it, but I finally finished it.
6: Why did it take you so long?
10: I kept going back over it to see if I'd read right.
4: (laughs) reading.
10: You know, Mildred, it's very educational reading for a young fellow like myself, though. Believe me, I learned plenty about the London fire.
6: <laughs> Golly, you know, I'll bet Amber would win that cup in a walk. Dennis, I'll do it.
10: You mean you'll go to the masquerade as Amber?
6: Exactly.
10: Gee, you're liable to catch an awful cold.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Don't be silly. Now, what can I do with that costume? Cut out the sleeves. Lower the neckline, make it slinky and tight fitting.
10: I don't think Betsy Ross would like this.
6: <laughs> oh, gee, Dennis, I'm sure it can be done. Look, I'll go right to work on the costume. Oh, but there's some other things I'll need, and you'll have to get them for me. Okay. Now, let's see. I'll need a tiara for my hair, uh-huh. earrings, mm-hmm. a pair of black lace step ins some exotic perfume.
10: Ooh, what you said.
6: Exotic perfume?
10: No, the one before that.
6: <laughs> now look, you can get everything in the same place. There's a little shop on Elm Street called Yvette of Paris. Ask for Mademoiselle Yvette herself and tell her what you want.
10: You think she'll believe me?
6: Well tell her that for me. She knows my size and everything. Remember, Mademoiselle Yvette. Now hurry. <laughs>
10: Hello. Hello. Could I see Mademoiselle Yvette of Paris, please? You're talking to the Mademoiselle in person already. You're Mademoiselle Yvette? But we.
6: <laughs> Something I could do for the monsieur yet?
10: You have the most peculiar accent.
6: <laughs>
10: what part of France are you from?
6: <laughs> France, he says. Mademoiselle Yvette is just the name on the door. Then you're not really from Paris? Listen... The last time I saw Paris, it was holding up my husband's socks. (laughs) Now, is there something I could do for you?
10: Well, yes, there is. Mildred Anderson asked me to get some things for her. A tiara for her hair, a pair of earrings, some exotic perfume. Yes. And a pair of black lace. Black lace.
6: Uh, What's the matter, you bashful? (laughs) Yes. You mean a pair of these? Oh, put them down. Put them
4: down. (laughs) Why
6: are you getting excited? There's nobody in
4: them
10: I know, but I got a vivid imagination Anyway, she doesn't want that kind She wants black lace
6: Black lace, huh? Is black lace becoming already in Weaverville uh,
10: De Rigueur? De Rigueur?
6: Uh, It's a little thing I picked up from Charles Boyer It means stylish
10: Oh, I see You pick up little things from Charles Boyer, huh?
6: all the time it should happen to mine husband (laughs) okay anything else no that's all all right i'll wrap everything up together i'll be back in one minute
10: gee these pink ones are kind of cute i wonder if no still they might i'll ask mademoiselle yvette no it's ridiculous i'm sure they don't make them for men And dollars uh, 50 cents. $11 and... Oh, my goodness. I'm afraid you'll have to charge it. Charge it? Who to? Why, to Mrs. Anderson, Mildred's mother. She's a customer of yours, isn't she?
6: Uh, yeah. I guess it'll be all right. Here.
10: Oh, thank you. Goodbye.
6: Goodbye.
8: Hmm. I wonder...
6: Hello, Mrs. Anderson. This is Yvette of Paris. Look, I've... Yvette of Paris. Yvette of... Rena Feinschreiber, who makes for you the corsets. (laughs)
4: Look,
6: a, a young man was just here who bought for your daughter some very fancy schmancy underwear. And I
4: was wondering.
3: I saw you standing in the sun and you were something
10: to see. I know what I like and I like what I saw
8: and I said to myself.
10: Hello Mrs. Anderson.
8: Good evening, Dennis. It may interest you to know that I just had a phone call from Mademoiselle Yvette.
10: Oh, really?
8: I have also had a little talk with my uh, daughter, Mildred.
10: Oh, really?
8: I found out she intended going to tonight's masquerade dressed as a certain brazen husband.
10: Oh, really?
8: She is not going to the masquerade at all. I've locked her in her room. Oh. Dennis, if you say, oh, really, again, I shall
10: scream. Oh, did you?
8: Yes, I did.
10: Oh, really?
8: I also found out that the idea of going as this amber came from you. Oh, no, ma'am. I just happened to Remember mention... Mr. Lace, and Mr. Anderson, I feel it's about time someone have a serious talk with you. Normally, of course, that's the duty of the head of the family. Yes, ma'am. But my husband has offered to do it instead.
4: Yes, ma'am.
8: I leave. And you two may talk this over man... To, uh, boy... Well... Whatever the two of you are, talk
9: it over. Good evening, Dennis. Oh, hello,
10: Mr. Anderson. I didn't see you sitting there. I guess your wife had you blocked off.
9: Uh, Been that way for 22 years. My wife is pretty excited about Mildred wanting to go to the party as Amber, Dennis. Yes, sir. Mrs. Anderson never let me read Forever Amber. She said it was no book for a man with funny ideas in his (laughs)
4: head. Oh,
9: have you got funny ideas in your head? No, but she said I would have if I read it. That's silly. I
10: read it, and I haven't got any idea of any kind in my head. Well,
9: this, uh, Amber Dennis, what sort of a girl is she?
10: Oh, you know, companionable, good mixer, makes friends easily.
9: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I understand she's quite friendly.
7: Oh,
10: well. Yes, sir.
9: But we certainly don't want Mildred pretending she's such a character, even for a masquerade, do we, Dennis? No, sir. We want Mildred to grow up the kind of a woman that her mother is, don't we? No, sir. (laughs) I think we want Mildred to grow up the kind of a woman her mother is, don't we? No, sir. Oh, Dennis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship.
10: (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. Anderson undoubtedly has many good qualities, but she does boss you around quite a bit.
9: Well, all women boss you around, Dennis. Some do it quietly and sweetly. Some, like my wife, do it loudly and firmly. But they all boss you around.
10: Golly, maybe the world would be better off if there weren't any women, just men and children.
9: (laughs) What a beautiful thought. Well, I hope you've gotten something out of this little talk, Dennis. Yes, sir, I have. I know I have. I'm going to read that forever, Amber, if it takes me the next ten years. And if it's what I think it is, who
7: cares?
9: (laughs) Yes, sir.
10: Well, I'll be getting back to Mademoiselle Yvette with this stuff. We won't need it now. Bye, Mr. Anderson.
9: Bye, Dennis. Dennis. Huh? Dennis, over here.
10: Mildred.
6: Quick, climb through the window and don't let Mama see. What, what? Hurry and hand me that box. easy. Uh, You uh, heard what Mama said about the party, huh?
10: Yeah, she won't let you go.
6: I know. She took one look at what I did to this Betsy Ross costume and nearly fainted.
10: Gosh, you did make it kind of daring. Well, I guess we'll never get that $25 now.
6: And why not? This cup is for the most outstanding costume, isn't it? Isn't this costume outstanding?
10: Yes, but there's no one to wear it.
6: Oh, yes, there is.
10: Well, what do you intend to... Oh. Oh no. No, Mildred. Don't look at me like that.
6: Oh. Dennis, don't be that way. You'll make a beautiful
4: Amber. <laughs>
10: but how can I be a girl? Girls are built differently than I am. I'm taller.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
6: well, notice that. I guarantee that in this dress and wig, no one will be able to tell you from Amber.
10: I bet I could never fool Charles the first.
4: No, Mildred,
10: I won't do it.
6: Dennis, think of Mr. Snedeker's fender. Think of the $25. Think of the housing shortage.
10: All I can think of is black lace. Black lace.
6: Uh, there, step-in.
10: It isn't how I get in, it's how I feel after I'm there.
6: All right, Dennis. I guess I shouldn't have asked you. Forget it. Mildred, I... I thought I meant something to you. I thought you'd do it for my sake. I was wrong.
10: (laughs) Oh, Mildred, stop. I can't stand seeing anyone cry. You don't
6: care if Mama throws you out of the house and we never see each other again. You don't care.
4: (laughs) Mildred, I can't stand
10: here and see a woman cry like that. There's only one thing I can do. Yes? I'm going to get out of here. (laughs) Danny, you
6: come back here. We're going to win that cup and pay off Mr. Snedeker. Now, go in the bathroom and get those clothes off.
10: But, Mildred... Here,
6: take all this and put it on. And when you come out, I'll fix your makeup.
10: You mean I... I have to put all this on?
4: Yes.
10: Mildred, I read another book once about a wonderful character named Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> all I need is a beard and a short pair of stilts, and I'm sure that I... Get
6: a... into that bathroom!
10: Yes, ma'am. Gee, my mother always wanted a girl, but... This is ridiculous. <laughs> Well, I finally got the costume on, Mildred. How do I look?
6: Uh, Well, let's see. Uh, It's not too bad. Except you're a little lumpy in the wrong places. (laughs) Walk toward me and, uh, and slink like Anders.
10: I'm afraid to. This dress is too tight. One slink and I'm slunk.
6: (laughs) it is tight. Didn't you put on that girdle I gave you? No. Why not?
10: I couldn't get it over my head.
6: Oh, Oh, Dennis, they don't go over your head Don't you know how to put on a girdle?
10: I'm afraid not I've spent most of my life as a boy
6: (laughs) But what on earth makes you look so lumpy from your hips down?
10: Oh, that's my long underwear
6: You didn't take that off?
10: You think I want to catch cold? There's a terrible draft through this thing.
6: Dennis, you didn't have to keep your flannels on. I gave you those black lace step-ins to wear.
10: I know, but I stepped into them wrong. They're black lace kilts now.
6: Well, sit still now. I'm going to put on your makeup. Okay. First, a little mascara. There we are. Now, some powder.
10: Hey! <coughs> What's where you put that stuff?
6: You're supposed to keep your mouth closed.
10: Golly, if men were girls, we'd never bother with all this stuff.
6: If men were girls, we wouldn't either. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now, look, Dennis, hold still while I put on your lipstick and we're all set. There we are. How am I? Why, Dennis, you're absolutely ravishing. Honestly, you're gorgeous.
10: Gee, really?
6: Just go over and take a look in that mirror.
10: Okay. Pardon me, miss. Would you mind stepping... Oh, that's me.
4: <laughs> of course it is.
6: Well...
10: Gee, I am kind of desirable.
4: <laughs> oh, oh Dennis, I just
6: know you're going to win that prize. Oh, now, look, we haven't much time. Here's the keys to my father's car. Slip out the window the same way you got in.
10: You'll have to boost me up. I don't dare bend over in this dress. All right.
6: Oh... I do hope you win, Dennis. <laughs> there. And please, please be careful of Daddy's car.
10: I will, Mildred. Gee, I did look like an awfully cute girl in that mirror. Not my type, of course, but some men like them. Oh, golly, here comes the man. Here's my chance to find out how I look. I'll drop my handkerchief and see what happens.
5: Oh, uh, pardon me. Did you drop this handkerchief?
10: Why, yes. How careless of me. (laughs) Well, here you are. Oh, thank you, sir. You're really too, too kind.
5: Oh, that's okay. Oh, say, by the way.
10: Yes? You got a match, buddy?
4: (laughs) (laughs)
5: Hello, Mr. Willoughby. Hello, Dennis. Oh, oh! I beg your pardon, miss. When I heard your voice, I thought you were a boy who works for me. I do. I'm Dennis. Well, by George, I'd certainly never know you in that dress and with a mask on. Say, uh, who are you supposed
10: to be, Dennis? I'm Amber. You know, the book, Forever Amber. Oh. I may have read it. It, it sort of escapes my memory. Then you didn't read it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Say,
10: Mr. Willoughby, when do the judges... Uh, Judge the costumes. It's ten o'clock, and i got to get out of here before I get that five o'clock shadow. Huh? Twice. Oh. (laughs) Well, the man who's
5: judging the costumes hasn't arrived yet. By George, I wish he'd get here. If he... There's someone coming in the door
10: now, Mr. Willoughby. Oh, oh, yes. Good, that's him. And high time, too. I... uh... Oh, my goodness. Something wrong, Dennis? The judge of the costumes. It's Mr. Snedeker. That's right. He's coming over here now. Mr. Willoughby, I can't stay here. If he sees me, he'll punch me right in my mascara.
5: He won't recognize you in that outfit any more than I did But my voice I'll tell him you're a foreigner Speak to him in Spanish I don't know a word in Spanish Neither does he, you're perfectly safe Oh, uh, Mr. Snedeker, right over here, please Oh, sorry to be late, Willoughby That imbecile who works for you wrecked my car And I had a devil of a time getting a taxi If I ever get my hands on that young, uh Oh, I beg your pardon (laughs) What have we here? Uh Uh-oh uh, Mr. Snedeker, may I present uh, Senorita Lolita del Rio. The senorita just got here from Chile. Mm, well, I'm delighted, senorita. Del-
10: delighted. Hacienda, senor.
4: <laughs> well,
10: now, if you two will excuse me, I uh, I have a great many things to attend to. Oh, no,
5: don't leave us, senor Willoughby. I'm afraid I must. Adios. But senor Willoughby... Oh, let him go. Much cozier with just the two of us, mm, señorita? Oh, well, tico, tico, Senor. <laughs> well, well. So you're from Chile. You don't look very chilly to me.
4: <laughs> uh... <laughs> I'll
5: bet you're a dream, all right, underneath that mask. How about a peek, huh? Oh,
10: no, senor. Oh, come on, a teensy-weensy little peek. No, senor, not until the prize for the winning costume has been giving out.
5: Oh, I see what you mean, my little enchilada.
10: I thought you would, my great big cucamonga.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, speaking as the official judge, I think your costume has an excellent chance.
10: Oh, thank you, senor.
5: Yes, an excellent chance. Uh, are you married, senorita?
10: No. And neither am I. You know what I mean? See, si, but I doubt if anything will come of it. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, uh, I don't know.
5: i waited a long time for the right girl to come along. Who can say I'm not looking into her eyes right now? Me. Huh? Ladies and gentlemen, It's now time to award the trophy for tonight's outstanding costume. That is, if our judge, Mr. Snedeker, has a winner picked out... I sure have, eh, my little beauty? Oh, Senor Snedeker. (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) 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 Folks! Folks, your attention, please. Now, after a careful study of every costume here tonight, I take pleasure in awarding this beautiful silver cup to the little lady on my left. Oh, uh, what was that name again, Senorita? Dennis Day. Senorita oh, well, Dennis
4: <laughs> Well, my little
5: tamale, are you satisfied now? You can take this lovely silver cup back to... Uh,
10: senorita who? Dennis Day. You! Why, why, why? why, why Mr. Snedeker, please! Calm down. Don't get excited. Don't get excited. Why, I was going to propose to you. It's all right. I didn't accept. Didn't
4: accept. No, so, Mr.
10: Snedeker. If you'd like to withdraw your offer of marriage now, believe me, I'll understand. Why?
4: Let me at him. Let me at him. Mr. Snedeker, Let please. Let me at him.
2: Dennis Day returns to sing the beautiful ballad all through the day.
3: I sit alone in the golden daylight All I see is a silver sky. For in my fancy, I sweep away
4: life
3: and keep my image of the sky. About the night, I dream about the night here with you. All through the day, I wish away the time. Until the time when I'm here with you. Bound of the sun, I run to meet you. The evening mist melts away. Your lips recall The kiss I dreamed of All through the day Down falls the sun I run to meet you The evening mist melts away
2: Next week for another in the series of Dennis Day programs. More songs, more adventures in the life of our star Dennis Day. who will be back when you hear.
4: Oh,
3: that makes life seem worthwhile. Dwells in your. Heart.
2: morning, speaking.
1: This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Escape Theatre next on Theatre of the Mind. You're listening to Theatre of the Mind on Zuma Radio, AM 740 at 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Time now for Escape.
11: You, finding life rather dull, dreaming again of exotic places... Wishing you were somewhere else? We offer you... Escape.
1: Escape with us now to a placid English village... and the company of an equally placid little man... who one day shook the world... as H.G. Wells told it in his delightful story... The Man Who Could Work Miracles...
12: Now, I might say right in the beginning that I ain't the kind of chap who has a naturally argumentative disposition. Oh, no, quite the contrary. I'm a reasonable man who always takes proper thought before he speaks and one who has a due respect for scientific truth. Why, I ain't never opened my mouth to utter a word that wasn't a pure, undiluted fact. That's what you say. Howsoever, when a man of inferior intellect, such as Toddy Bemis has showed himself to be more than once, when a man like that insists upon airing his ridiculous opinions in a public place such as the Long Dragon Bar, then I've got no choice but to confound him with the superior knowledge which I
11: possesses. So you say.
12: That's right, so I say. And if you can't contribute nothing but the same three words to this discussion, I'll thank you to admit you're defeated and shut your mouth. Well, now, Mr. Fulfing, and Easy,
11: lads, easy, does it?
12: Well, I ask you, Constable. I'm only trying to enlighten the man from the bog of ignorance he's a-flandering in, and he keeps coming up with his infernal, so you say. Well, I'm a-wasting me words, that's all.
13: If times half and half float across this bar the way words do, they I'd have retired years ago. <laughs> hey, speaking of half and half, I'll have another of the same if you don't
12: mind, Mr. <coughs> By Lynch? all rights, Toddy Beamish, I shouldn't be wasting my time on you. But out of the goodness of my heart, I'll do it anyhow. Suit yourself. Hmm. Now, let's take, for example, that pint of hail that you're holding in your hand. It's pretty nigh, empty. Yeah. Well, now. Supposing, for instance, if that hail was to turn into wine. I never cared much for wine. Always not gale, Betty. <laughs> now, if that hail was to turn into wine, then you'd have a miracle. So you say. So anybody says. Or, or, or take that master padlock on Miss Bridges' cashbox. Now, if anyone could open that without a proper key, that'd be a ruddy miracle.
13: You keep <laughs> the long bragging out of this.
12: Well, perhaps you
11: ain't even aware of the proper definition of what a miracle is, uh, Mr. Beamish. Well... Some is one kind and some is another, in a manner of speaking.
13: If anybody left so much as tuppens on the bars of tip, that'd be a miracle, all right.
11: Well, be that as it may.
12: But a miracle ain't of one kind or another, oh no. A true miracle is something contrarywise to the course of nature, done by the power of will. Something what couldn't happen without being specially willed to happen. And miracles ain't
11: possible. Ah, easy, laddies, you know. Well, I wouldn't go so far as to say they
12: ain't. It's your ignorance that's talking. Now, look, you see that lamp sitting there on the end of the bar, burning as bright as you please? I see it right enough. Well, now that lamp, in the natural course of nature, couldn't burn like that if it was turned upside down and hanging in the hair.
11: You say it couldn't, Mister Beamish? Do you mean to tell me? All right, all right, maybe it couldn't. And if it did, that would be a
12: miracle. Very well. Now, Supposing somebody was to come along, take me for instance, and he pointed his finger at that lamp like this and said, "Turn upside down."
13: Oh. Now, if <laughs> yes. K- yes. the Oh, no, no, they there, without no visible means of support, I can't keep it up there much longer.
11: Remarkable, okay. it's all, is it? Stop it now, Mister Fotheringay! Stop it immediately. <clears gasps> That's my official order. Oh, look out, constable! Look
13: out! There it goes. Oh. oh, now see what you've done, Mister Fotheringay! My best lamp chimney, Clean no more an hour ago smashed a misery. but I,
12: I didn't try
11: to do it
13: oh you know you might have caught the place of fire most <laughs> irregular
11: and illegal besides like as not no more of it now. Do you understand? But I told you I didn't mean for you it. You and to... your silly conjuring tricks. But all I done was to point my finger at it like that. There, and I... Stop it now. Don't you dare. Well, that's all I've done. In that case, Mr. Fotheringay, you'd defeat your own argument right out of your own mouth.
12: And how is that, might I ask?
11: If it weren't caused by some form of trickery. Then what happened to that lamb was a miracle. Now, then, I ain't to hold him with no blooming miracles. Hold with him and not, as the case might be, Mr. Farthingay. But you just stood right there and performed a real, true, honest, genuine miracle. <laughs>
12: It weren't a matter of being asked to leave the Long dragon, you understand. I'd already had my mind set on going anyhow. A place what's full of ignorant superstition ain't the kind of place for a man of rational intellect to be doing his thinking in. And thinking was just what was called for. On the one hand, I wasn't ready to swallow no miracle theory. But on the other hand, I wasn't able to recollect no scientific principle that might account for that which had occurred. As you might say... The question had dissolved itself
13: into a uh, dilemma.
12: Well, me landlady, Mrs. Tetherington, was sitting up in the parlour when I come in. Good
13: evening, Mr. Fotheringay. But
12: I can't recall saying anything to her.
13: Very well, Mr. Fotheringay.
12: I went straight to my own room, closed me door, and lit the candle. Then I sat on the edge of my bed, a- grappling with the problem in a heroic fashion, and trying to puzzle out the ultimate solution. Well, now that wasn't no easy thing to do. It couldn't have happened, but it had happened. Which ain't logic, no matter how you look at it. Why, well, it'd be the same situation if I was to point my finger at that candle there and say, Be raised up in the air.
13: <laughs>
12: Believe me. Hanging there like a blooming firefly. But it's contrary. Oh. There it goes. <coughs> oh. Now, as black as you're at. Oh, dear, now, where in the tarnation did that confounded thing get to? <laughs> well, at any rate, there should be some matches around here somewhere. Oh, here. Maybe I could... Yes. Let there be a match in me, Anne. Mm. Well, now, just like that. Oh, A safety match. Not a little bit good, that's going... Oh! Oh! Oh, dear, uh, half a Mona. Uh, Maybe I don't need a match. Maybe I could... Yeah. Candle, wherever you are, be lighted. (laughs) Here now, not in the middle of my bed. None of that now.
13: (laughs) Well, open it up. It isn't locked. Mr. Fotheringay, might I inquire what's going on up here?
12: Can't you recognize a man who's got his hands full of
13: troubles? Mr. Fotheringay why is smoke coming out of that bed because it caught on fire that's why i wall all comfortable with all burned in it taking lighted candles to bed with you indeed i'm
12: not taking no candles nowhere and i will thank you to leave me the privacy of my own bedroom
13: you've been drinking
12: on the contrary i've been cogitating upon matters of science which is far beyond the range of your feeble intellect well mrs tetherington i might remind you that good steady rumors such as a man like myself ain't so easy to come by nowadays with which I will bid you a highly, a respectful, a good, an art. Well, <laughs> we old vulture, don't know who she's talking to. Me, a bloke that's only got to point his finger and say B, and it is. Oh blimey, if I ain't suddenly got the power to perform miracles, real, genuine miracles. <laughs>
1: Escape, under the direction of Norman McDonald, returns in just a moment. Tomorrow, New Year's Day, CBS will bring you exclusively the broadcast of the Rose Bowl game between the University of Michigan and the University of California. Don't miss this colorful, exciting event, the Rose Bowl game. Michigan, the Western Conference champions against California, fighting for the West Coast's first victory in the present series. It'll be here tomorrow, New Year's Day, on most of these same CBS stations. And now, back to Escape. Well,
12: next evening after work I went walking down the lane that leads around Millsdale's pond attempting to put me mental processes into order, as you might say Mostly, I kept trying to cogitate on some honest to Betsy miracle that I might up and perform But it ain't such an easy matter for a chap who's unaccustomed to goings-on of that nature No, what I wanted was the genuine article. You understand, no no little shenanigans, but one to make people stop and say, Blimey, now!" if that ain't a real downright miracle for you. And then, all of a sudden, I had it. I just happened to recollect a chap somewhere who stuck his staff in the ground and commanded it to blossom. So, I poked my walking stick into the edge of the turf... I backed off a wee bit, and I pointed my finger at it and said, Walking stick, become a blooming bush of flowering posies. (laughs) Ah, roses, by heaven. I done it,
11: just like that fellow in the opera. Now then, what's all this here?
12: Oh, Constable Winch, confound that man anyhow. Cease
11: and desist, whatever it is. In the name
12: of the law. Uh, yeah, you, you there. Rosebush. Go back now.
7: Fast. <laughs> oh, well,
11: empty, have a mind there. Oh, it is you throwing. Grumble bushes at. There. Oh, confounded, blundering idiot. Who's conducting nefarious activities under the cover of darkness? Assaulting an officer engaged in the pursuit of his natural. Well. So it's you, Mr. Fotheringagy. The fact being self-evident, Mr. Winch, I will not bother myself to answer. So you'll not bother yourself to answer, eh? And maybe you'll also deny that you just threw a great heavy mass of foliage at me? I do deny it. Then no doubt it just up and flew through the air all by itself. A constable winch,
12: you have just hit the ruddy nail right on the head.
11: uh some more of them blustered, anky conjuring tricks of yours. Is that it? On the contrary. It was merely a small miracle. You don't say so. In which case, his honour might enjoy hearing you tell about it. So come along. I'll do nothing of the sort. Oh, oh resisting an officer. But will be another charge against oh. you.
12: Charge, indeed. Mm. Uh, Mr. Winch, you it's can take your charges and... and... Go
13: to Hades. <coughs>
12: hey, hey um, Constable. Oh, Mr. Winch. Oh, blimey, if he ain't gone and disappeared completely like. Now, I wonder if he... Hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking this medical business is a bit touchy. Why, a man might find himself in a whole peck of trouble before he learns the knack of the thing. Oh, I'd better go and get myself some real professional advice. Right away. Hmm? Huh? Oh, good evening to you, friend. Very pleasant evening, do you? Uh, and the same to you, as many of them, Mister Maydig. Uh, that is uh, your Reverendship. Oh no, no, no formality now, none at all. You just call me Mister Maydig. Oh well, now thank you kindly, your uh, Maydigship. Won't you step inside? Uh, much obliged to you, Mister Reverendship. Uh, this way, Mister. Oh, I can't say that I caught the name. Fotheringay. A George, a W, a Fotheringay. Ah, yes. yes. Not from my parish. Well, uh, yes, yes, I attended services last Christmas. Indeed. So many people did last Christmas. Well, here we are, Mr. Take a ticket chair. It's uh, a Fotheringay. Oh, no, 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 not not that one. (laughs) It's weak. I've often thought of doing something about it sometime. Yes, yes, that one's fine. Well, uh,. If you remind me before I leave, Mr. Mayship, and I'll put that little piece of furniture to rights for you. Oh, then you're a carpenter. Well, only in a manner of speaking, as you might say. Mm. Well, now, uh, Mr. Mothering, say, feel entirely free to lay your burdens upon my shoulders. Uh, well, the fact is, uh, the matter which I come here to talk about might be considered of a somewhat uh, a delicate nature. Oh, think nothing of it. Please feel free to speak, uh, uh well, uh, freely. My housekeeper retires very early. Oh, oh, no, your Reverend Ship. Nothing like that. Well, then, uh, like, like, I like what? Uh, well, the subject about which I'm inquiring is miracles. Uh, miracles, yes, yes, indeed. Miracles? Uh, any special kind of miracles? Oh, yes. The kind which I perform myself.
0: I hmm. see. Hmm.
12: And what sort of miracles do you perform? Well, oh. for one thing, I've uh, just finished sending Constable Winch to Hades. Hades? Yeah, indeed. Of course, when I realized what had happened, I had him transferred to San Francisco, uh, wherever that is. I'm sure he'll like San Francisco much better. Uh, I see you don't believe me. I can't say I blame you either. Well, after all, Mr. fathering uh, Fotheringay? Well. Very well. There's nothing else to do but for me to up and perform a few miracles before we go any further. Well, it's, uh, it's very interesting, I'm sure. Well, now, now, you take that jar of tobacco there on the table, for instance. Now, suppose I just point my finger at it like this and become a bowl of violets. <laughs> well, that's very interesting. Ah, oh, see? A bowl of violets. Gorblot. <clears throat> I mean, uh, so it is. Of it's nothing very spectacular, Your Reverend, but it's a sort of miracle a man can pass without tangling himself up in a mass of trouble. It's extraordinary. Very well, extraordinary. <laughs> uh, you can see for yourself, uh, real violets, indeed. <laughs> indeed. Now, mm-hmm. uh, you take this for example. Oh. Um, become a bowl of fish. <laughs> Mm. No, 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 not that kind. Live fish in a goldfish bowl swimming around. Now. Mm. Ah. Ah, that's better. It's amazing. Uh, how did you do it? Just told it to. Th- that's all? That's all. When I tells the thing to do it, it does that it. It's incredible come on me sudden like you might say um, well i'd like to know if it's real genuine miracles or if it we don't well
2: uh, uh,
12: well, we'll seeing uh, as how miracles ought to come under your reverendship's special province more or less well, uh, yes yes indeed um, uh, however usually in a somewhat more uh, academic fashion uh, these are more well, uh, more astonishing well as far as i can tell there ain't no limit to it like for instance uh, a, a bowl of fish Turn into a pigeon. Oh, good heavens. Oh, look at the thing. I say, that, well, I wrong, that! none of that. You stay away from Mr. Maydig now. And perhaps I'd best uh, hey, hey, become that same uh, uh, jar of tobacco again. Well, Reverend, what do you think about it? It's amazing. It's the most extraordinary thing I've ever seen in my life ever expected to see I, I i got to think about it consider the possibilities well i might come back in the morning oh no 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 i wouldn't hear of it uh, look here i was about to dine when you rang I uh, wonder if you'd join me of course i'm afraid there's only cold mutton <laughs> well now uh perhaps there's something else you might like uh, better oh anything <laughs> frankly i've grown to hate the sight of that but well, you don't mean that but why not just name it um <laughs> a pheasant i haven't tasted pheasant in years oh well, then now is the time let there be a pheasant on the table no 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 not like that let it be dead and roasted and ready to eat
7: oh,
12: look at it oh, it's beautiful mm, smells good too Perhaps we'd better, uh, yes. Let there be two pheasants. Oh, and, uh, and, and truffles. And truffles. And maybe some uh, oysters. Two dozen oysters. Oh, I love them. Uh, oh. We'd better make it three dozen. Oh, uh, and, and some cheddar. Oh, we must have some cheddar. Oh, yes. A pound of cheddar. Um, and now, what to drink, your reference ship? Uh, Champagne. Uh, well, well, I really shouldn't. <laughs> well, perhaps a small bottle of Moselle. Six bottles of Moselle. Oh. A keg of star <laughs> and a case of champagne. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there wasn't no mistake about it. I'd come to the right place for certain. Once Mr. Magdy got over his first astonishment, he turned out full of ideas for brand new miracles. Things I might never have thought of, like as not. Well, we polished off that meal in no time at all. And an hour later, we was out walking in the dark streets of the village, turning out miraculous jobs so fast, I fairly wore out my finger appointing pointing with it. I couldn't begin to tell you all the things we'd done there in a couple of hours, but, well... We installed a new railway line, we drained Flinders' swamp and turned it into a meadow, we cured the vicar's warts, paved all the roads, eliminated taxation, reformed the Lord Mayor and made all the girls in the village beautiful. Oh, these weren't any of your eight me miracles, all of these, these were big. And we went right on turning them out, one every two minutes, just as regular as clockwork. Well, by midnight we passed clean through the village and we were walking along the lane by Millsdale's Pond, fairly tired out by all of that thinking and pointing and performing of miracles. Uh, Mr. Fotheringay, I've just thought of another one. Oh, indeed. And what might it be? Uh, The village clock. uh, Listen to it now. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, that's true enough. It hasn't got a very melodious sound to it. Then let's give them a good clock, a great, rich, booming one, shall we? All right, Mr. Maydick. Uh... Let that there clock become a genuine London-style cathedral clock. Oh, that's much better. Much better. Oh, the people of this village are going to have a big surprise when they wake up in the morning. After all we've done for them tonight. Well, I might say there's one or two things that we've done that I ain't so sure about. Like... uh... Turning every drop of alcoholic beverage into plain water, for instance. Oh, there's nothing to worry about, Mr. Fotheringay. You can always turn out a miraculous pint or two for your own purposes, and and, and it will reform all the drunkards in the village. Well, perhaps so. At any rate, we might as well wait and see what comes of it. Well, what do we perform next? No, I really don't know. I can't think of another single miracle that we haven't all witnessed. Half a moment, Mr. Maidick. Yes. yes, yes. I just thought of one of my own I'd better take care of. Oh? Yeah. Let Constable Winch be right back in San Francisco again.
7: <laughs> See,
12: he might be catching a boat or a train or something, you understand. I mean, I-, I thought the best idea is just to keep sending him back there every once in a while. Mm. Oh, I doubt that you have anything to worry about. San Francisco is some distance away, you know. Uh, I-, I-, I keep trying to think of one more miracle. A big one. Something worthy of ending the night with, but I... <laughs> oh. Well, now... Eh? I say, there is one, you know. Such as? You see that moon, Mr. Fotheringay. Oh, naturally. Now, I aren't a fool by the looks of it. Remember Joshua? 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 Oh, now, come off it now. (laughs) it would be a wondrous thing to see. Well, now, that's a pretty tall order, making the moon stand still. Well, actually, it only appears to stand still. What really happens is that the, the earth stops rotating. Well, I think we'd better not go monkeying around with the universe. Well, you probably don't have the power to do it anyway. It's really a superior class of miracle, you know. Oh, I've got the power, all right, but I'm not so sure it's a good idea. I could do it if I wanted to. Oh, oh, yes. Yes, of course you could. Well, perhaps we'd better get along home. Well, now I, I might just leave it stopped for a little while. If, if you could stop it at all. Oh, well, now, if that's the way you feel, you just take a look at this. Eh? Huh? The whole blinking world? Stop rotating.
7: Here,
12: <laughs> yeah, now. What's all this? I, I didn't order no wind. <laughs> uh, Fatheringale... What have you done? I don't rightly know. Look out, things are starting to blow loose. Well, you confounded, blundering idiot. You... Duck your head. Here comes the Lord Mayor's sheep. <coughs> well, duck yourself. Here comes the Lord Mayor. Oh, you better lie down in the ditch before we get blown away. Oh, it's getting worse all the time. I can't see to pull my wits together. Right, oh, I got it. When the earth stopped rotating, everything on the surface kept right on moving. Five, six hundred miles an hour. Cowsies, cows, the wind, everything. It's a scientific principle. Well, a lot of good that does. Uh, Stop it, man. Do something. (laughs) Mr. Maidick. Wow, Mr. Maidick. Oh, blimey if he ain't blown clean away. Gone. Oh, now I've got myself a fine... into a fine kettle of fish for certain. If if only there weren't so much confusion, perhaps I could... Oh, that's it. It's, It's the only answer. All right now. Let, let nothing happen until I say the word go. And when I do, let everything go back exactly like it was just before I turned that grooming lamp upside down to the long dragon bar. Then at the same time, let me lose this here miraculous power complete like, just forget all about it. You got it now? Everything just as it were. No more miracles. Just let me forget the whole thing. All right then? You ready? Go! <laughs>
11: only what you say. And
12: the same as anybody else might say who's got the least bit of scientific knowledge inside of their thicker heads. Aren't I right, Constable Winch? Uh,
11: couldn't actually say, Mr. Fatheringay. The subject ain't exactly in my province, you know. Mm, neither of the same as Bridget.
13: all, oh, Constable Winch.
12: Irregardless, Mr. Beamish, miracles ain't possible so you say it. perhaps you don't even know what a miracle is perhaps if i was to point my finger at that lamp there on the bar and tell it to turn upside down i suppose you think it might do it well i wouldn't say it would not you? you wouldn't say it would mr toddy beamish you haven't got a brain in your head and i'm only wasting the time trying to enlighten you there you are mrs miss bridges thank you kindly mr Fotheringay. i'll be dropping in again when the place ain't quite so crowded. And so I bid you all
11: a respectful, good a night. Hey, well, Teddy, I'd say you got the best of the argument tonight.
13: Glory be, will you take a look at this? What's up, Miss Bridges? Sixpence. He left me sixpence right here on the bar, big as anything.
11: And so he
13: did. luck like if it ain't never happened before. Saints preserve us if it ain't a downright blooming miracle. That's what it is, a downright blooming miracle. <laughs>
1: Under the direction of Norman McDonnell, Escape has brought you The Man Who Could Work Miracles by H.G. Wells, especially adapted for Escape by Les Crutchfield. Ben Wright was starred as George Fotheringay. Featured in the cast were John Daner, Lou Krugman, Eileen Erskine, and Wilms Herbert. The special music for Escape was composed and adapted by Del Castillo.
11: Next week, Escape with us to the windswept peak of Mount Everest and the story of a man who sacrificed everything to climb it. As Leonard Lee tells it in his gripping story, Conquest.
1: Thanks for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Jack Benny, followed by Dragnet. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor.